0: Hello, welcome back to a new episode of For the Love of Weather podcast, where we discuss all things weather and how they can impact our daily lives. We hope, like always, you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more. And I've got a feeling that today's episode is going to be a fun one. Hi, everyone. My name is Gemma. Hello, and
1: my name is Ashling, And we have, yes, another super special guest. I actually haven't had a guest who isn't so special to me. I just love everybody in the weather industry. They've just... A part of my family, part of my journey as well. But our very special guest today is BBC broadcast meteorologist Matt Taylor. Hello. (laughs) Hi Matt. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh,
2: it's lovely to speak to you two. We we should should explain really how we know each other, shouldn't we?
1: Yes, we should. So Matt, would you like to do that? How do you how do you know myself and how do you know Gemma? Or how do I know you?
2: (laughs) Many, many (laughs) days and nights spent (laughs) alone. (laughs) <laughs> While away the hours on shift together We all worked at uh, the BBC uh, Trying to yeah, try, find
1: somewhere to sleep <laughs> night yeah. shift. Like, If I put my head here for five minutes I might get five seconds sleep And it might rejuvenate me somehow <laughs> And,
2: and trying to keep warm at the end of a night shift <laughs> Oh
0: my god, oh, I, so, Always a challenge, so cold, always a so challenge
1: <laughs> Do you know, I had got uh, the first Apple Watch That was out when I worked on the BBC my heart rate used to go down to 45 beats per minute between 2 and 4 a.m. Like, it's no wonder. I mean, I will die at that hour of the day at some point later in my life it's it's no wonder I was freezing the whole time.
2: To be fair, you used to bring in a whole uh, king size duvet, didn't you? I
1: know, not <laughs> quite, but I used to bring a
2: massive wrapped up?
1: stuffle coat, a scarf, I was oh miserable. We've talked about this so many times. I am not designed for night shifts, which is just some huge irony that I went on to have two kids at the same time. Oh my god. <laughs> it was the best training I could, I could have we ever taught had. taught you nothing. <laughs> yes. I taught you nothing. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> So Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. You have had quite an interesting turn into weather. So the one thing that we definitely love to hear from everybody is where was the moment that you thought, "No, that's the thing I want to do. That's the thing that I love. That's the thing that draws me in." I want to know about this. Where did where did your love of weather come
0: from?
2: You know, I think I can trace it all the way back to being a young kid. I grew up in Glasgow. Uh, And as anybody knows, west coast of Scotland, the weather is just, it changes or it doesn't change. It can be from one minute to the next, or you can be just, I remember going to school in the morning, throwing down with rain, sitting in the classroom, the steam coming off my school trousers, Mm. only just drying out to walk straight back home in the rain and getting wet again. But I just remember, uh, God, how much must have been? I must have been about six or seven, maybe a little bit younger. I was in the back garden. The skies were this amazing colour of grey. I was actually crawling under the fence to the next door neighbor's garden. That's a different story altogether. <laughs> but, uh, but I remember looking up at it, even at that age, thinking, "Wow, mm. I reckon that's going to thunder." And within seconds, there was this massive flash of lightning, crash of thunder. <laughs> I think I got stuck under the under the fence. <laughs> But from then on, I just I just got obsessed, and I had my like everybody else I think who was obsessed with weather as a young child. You had your own little weather station, your little pad used to go out and uh, mark down how much rain had fallen, which was usually quite a lot in Glasgow. Uh, yeah. How much sunshine? I thought they'd have a little sun. I can't remember, but I remember just my little pad. I remember my little set vividly, and I think that was the very very start of it for me. And uh, that obsession just sort of remained, and even when I went to secondary school I remember in French them asking what you wanted to be when you're older and thinking I don't know the word for meteorologist in French so I was just a, a meteorologist <laughs> <laughs> and my French teacher just laughing at me and so I always wanted to be in the weather and it wasn't to be on the TV side of things that I don't know if that was ever really a great plan there mm. but I just wanted to, to love I love weather and I just want it to be part of my life
1: so it's really interesting that you say that because you did not start off in the weather. You started well, off in Lancashire Council. So how did that little segue happen?
2: All right. OK, uh, I, I forgot. I was obsessed. with. I wanted to do meteorology as a degree. Uh, and the problem was, I think as I went through my A levels, I struggled a little bit at maths and physics. And to get on a meteorology course, you needed I think it was A's and B's. And I just knew that wasn't going to happen. Uh, at the time, my, my maths and physics wasn't strong enough. So my other passion, I always loved geography, I loved yeah. urban design. So I went and became a, a qualified term planner, did that as a degree at Cardiff University uh, and actually started uh, working in a council in Lincolnshire in their forward planning department. But one of my best mates, their mum knew my obsession with the weather And one day saw an advert in, I think it was the Daily Mail, in fact, to join the Met Office as a a weather observer. Uh, And she cut it out, put it in the post, sent it to me. And that was it. And I thought, you know what? I wasn't fully in love with the job I was doing at the time. And I thought it's my chance. It was going in at the bottom rung as a weather observer, uh, really low paid as well. But Mm. at the time, I thought it's what I want to do. Mm. Let's give it a go. And so I applied for that and got the job and it was just the best decision I ever, ever made. It was mm. just from then doing my uh, sort of I remember sitting there and being told where I was going to get posted if I did all my uh, qualifications, initial observer qualifications. But some people, a lot of people, when I later became a forecaster, all had the degree, all had that more theoretical knowledge of where the but i would never ever change the way i did it i think mm-hmm. it was the best thing for me i can now look at a chart i can now look at weather obs and i can picture the skies and into this day i'll still go out and i'll try and guess what height the cloud is yeah
1: yeah
2: i can work out what's going next and weather's quite a lot about picturing and putting together all the pieces yeah. and you if you've got a grasp of what's happening out there now and you can see it and you can visualize it you have a better chance of Working out what comes next, and now in my job of actually describing what it's going to be like the following day,
1: hmm. it's really interesting. Actually, you should say that. So that this is one thing that comes up as well is this idea that you need to have mats, and there's ways and means of getting around these things, and also taking courses as well. You don't always have to have heavily dominated in the mat section if you are, you know, doing meteorology or whatever way you're doing it, but. Also, the Met Office do offer, offer other entry levels. Yeah,
2: well. and I had to do Open University uh, once mm. I was in the Met Office. So as a weather observer, I was doing 13-hour yeah. uh, shifts, day and night. And then when I came home from them, I'd be sitting doing my Open University, upping my maths and physics levels, which eventually got me on a forecasting course. So I had to apply for that. Mm. Uh, I had to ver- sit various things, go to various interviews to get on a forecasting course. And then the forecasting course itself was the most intense thing
1: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, intense training
2: I've ever done in my life at university world world class Oh, um, brilliant Uh, and it set me up really well but on that you had a variety of people from different routes Mm. and so we had ones who were so theoretical Mm. and I just felt oh my gosh I can't do this but you brought different sort of uh, knowledge, different ways of tackling the weather, I tackle weather very much through pictures and trying to explain it in a way like I'd explain to a member of the public and
0: yeah. that's how
2: I explained and got through my uh, mm. forecasting courses and from then you once you have got the theory uh, you went on to do sort of on the bench forecasting with fast jet pilots and that was again another different experience altogether.
1: Yeah absolutely but you're, you're so right though it's so visual you know that pattern recognition watching and watching and watching the most basic or fundamental science observation is the key to understanding and actually being an observer. And I, I did observing as well, actually, for quite a few months. And then it became kind of integrated into the job as, as all part of one. And you might have one observing shift and one forecasting shift. But you understood your sky. Well, you yeah, You understood exactly. what was happening, how quickly it was changing, how fast the clouds were changing.
2: And I would never say I was the, the best at maths and physics, but what I thought I, I did enjoy was trying to, to break down some of those really tough sort of explanations, uh, scientific meteorological theory Mm. into just simple, Well, how would I explain this in terms of something normal out there, like trying to explain the jet stream in terms of a motorway and what happens as cars speed up and slow down and that, what happens there. And so that's my sort of little understanding Mm. of weather. And you don't have to get too bogged down in sort of some of the uh, scientific uh, calculations, some of which I can't remember, but they I do give me <laughs> <totally stuck. laughs> I'm glad you two said so, that. No, but I
0: think
1: I, they're a thing of the past for me. I'm like there was some numbers and stuff there at some yeah. point that I tried to
0: learn. I think the way that you've described it, when you watch you on the screen or if you're doing social media posts, all of that, the way you explain it is so relatable, and people can take that and get something from it really easily and i think i listened to you the other day when you was on the greg james show and you were talking about thunderstorms and like popcorn and showers and that just resonated with people because they could visualize it and i think you're really good at doing that making weather very visual and people can be like oh i really understand that i understand it now
2: i think it's really important thing to do and to be honest it's how i sort of understand the theories myself so why not kind Mm -hmm. of share that And if you can do it visually and relate it to something, it sort of breaks down that sort of fear
0: of
2: the fear that people have sometimes of maths and science. You don't have to be fearful of it. It can it's there. It helps you. It's essential. But then use it to try and use other everyday things to try and get the message across. Yeah, that's that's my that's always been my sort of way to tackle uh, sort of weather presentation, to be honest.
1: So Matt, I'm sort of smiling away to myself here because we've been chatting now for about 10 or 15 minutes and I'm surprised you haven't cracked a joke yet. So the one thing <laughs> that is so like, is, like re- when I think of you, I normally smile partly because you're always thinking, you're always cracking jokes. Like your personality is actually massive, and in the depths of a night shift or in the depths of some craziness going on, you'll just be the one that turns around and has a glint in their eye and says something like, "It's true, it's true." remove remove the seriousness of the situation So we want to pick your brains about some of your songs that we know that you like to sing. Oh, so where gosh, where did that go. come from? Where Where does the love of Where does the love of singing come from?
2: I don't know. I think it comes back again to know that you've got that part of the brain for me that pictures, weather and uses pictures. There's something to do with ditties and songs and lyrics. I can't remember people's names. I can't remember (laughs) numbers, (laughs) but I can remember the smallest, most minuscule TV ad from 1982 or something. And it just comes back. And I just even at home. Uh, when I'm in the house on my own, even when the kids are there, I have to have music on. I just love being surrounded by music, nothing in particular, nothing special. Just I just think find it uplifting and sing along. And I think as you two know, I'll turn any sort of phrase or <laughs> into a song just randomly. <laughs>
1: Always with a glint in your eye, you get away with a lot, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> so tell us some of your your favourite weather songs. Oh, my favourite weather songs. Yeah. Oh, uh, I can tell you what I don't like. When I started doing, when I did my observers course, uh, God, back in the day, you used to have to do it at uh, what was called the Met Office Shinfield College, which was like a residential course. You lived there, you ate there, you. A course there, so you basically in this really intense environment. And I think at the I've time, heard many
1: a story about that place.
2: There's lots of stories I could never <laughs> tell you. Oh, my word, there's so many stories. Uh, it was a great time though. But uh, God, what came out? It was Crowded House, always take the weather with you.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah,
2: I hate it. No, I, hate you. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it so much, oh. and because I'd just qualified everywhere, <laughs> I went, somebody was singing it. It was like, oh. And I've never liked Where the Girl's Raining Men.
1: Do you not? I that's think a that's, very a, that's a very empowering a mixed one. That's a, yeah, it is a bit of a mixed one. Also, it's very hard to sing, even if you're in a really loud crowd. It is actually very, very hard to sing.
2: Uh, I do remember the when we were to we did go to karaoke nights in Reading, and they were two songs that you were always put on whenever out. So maybe that's it. <laughs>
1: I'm just <laughs> for
2: yeah. life. Like uh, people have wrote
1: like- these songs for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, there was a crowded house i do like uh four, is it four seasons in a day yeah that one love that uh pharrell's wind that's one yeah. of my favorites as well and when i finished because uh, before i came here i was still working at the met office on the bench there doing a variety of different forecasting and that was my first ever time i did any stuff for the bbc we used to do the radio forecasts Mm-hmm. for bbc radio wales uh for all the ones in the BBC southwest so devon cornwall bbc somerset and when i left the uh, chap at bbc devon played me uh the beatles here comes the sun and i one. just love that
1: it's yeah great i suppose they're
2: game. my three favorites
1: yeah i feel like that song is actually quite appropriate at the moment i feel like this time there's a little glimmer of lights oh career. gosh yeah. and you know yeah. life is life is maybe mm, it's just that uplifting something's track is hands reach something's within
0: hands reach
2: i've always everything. tried to be positive and optimistic and i think that song really sums up yeah
0: it's a good song. i was thinking Even about in the depths about of fire. a night shift yeah it's true, <laughs> it's true a nice nice weather song on a night shift we always like to um i remember back in back a few years ago we would take songs on night shifts and make them weather or night shift related
2: so
0: like um all night long um, yeah in forecasting all night long we like to switch it up a little bit yeah, yeah. god the things you come up with wheelchair golf
1: or oh wheeling yeah wheeling in the chair golf or whatever <laughs> office
0: <laughs> golf office golf office in golf pushing the chair around the office <laughs> yeah. playing golf i think that how many <laughs> I,
2: I think that happens on night shifts wherever you are around the country because yeah ref bases and the uh, office blocks for met office yeah you, You see, you find something just to lift that mood.
1: So Matt, I'm actually really curious as well to know how you survived in the military environment with such a jovial sort of playful personality because those briefs are pretty serious that you're given in the morning. You've got, you know, your station commander there. Perhaps you've got somebody higher up as well. And, you know, some of it is confidential. So how did you, how did you go in there and give that, you know...
2: God, they were terrifying. That's right, you know that 12-hour brief. because uh, I suppose you should explain. This is you did your military briefs on the RAF bases right at the very end of a 12-13-hour night shift, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, and tough. so you were at your lowest, but you had to try and lift yourself up that little bit at the very end. And there was nothing more fearful than being a sort of rookie forecaster (laughs) i mean to go in there stand up all these eyes on you especially when they didn't like the forecast you were about to give
1: yeah yeah and they
2: would challenge you and challenge you because uh i should explain where pilots depending on where what aircraft they're flying whereabouts they're flying they have certain restrictions on how high the cloud is what the visibility is like what wind strength is And they want to fly. So they hate the fact you're going in there to say, "Roll, no, sorry, the cloud base is too low for you all day long today. Uh, You're going to be stuck in. And they say, but what what about this? What about that? Yeah. And, you know, it's a good sort of experience of learning to stick to your guns. Yeah. And think, no, no, wait a minute. I'm the expert here. This is what I think is going to happen. Most of the time, I'm so thankful that my forecasting was good and that you went back the following day. And people come up and say, well done good good call yeah, there you did yeah. it right you did something there but of course if you got it wrong you had to live with the facts it wasn't just someone detached on a tv you had the whites of the eyes looking at you the following yeah. day right next to your forecast the bench going uh look at this look at this what happened yesterday yeah. you said such and such and such so you had to take the rough with the smooth it was a really yeah. good lesson but I always remember doing those briefs and leaving And you two will know as well, when you finish those long night shifts, you get home and you're just like, I need to get to bed, need to get to bed, need to get to bed. Hit the pillow, you're out for the count. But then waking up about four or five in the afternoon and just gingerly opening the curtains and (laughs) going,
1: please tell me the front didn't
2: clear. (laughs) Just going, oh no. (laughs) Because you knew what was coming the following morning if you were on the night shift again. They're not going to forget this one. Or, oh, phew, it went well. Because you, all right we do brilliant job of forecasting these days it's amazing the the amount of detail you can go into but you're still dealing with elements which are Mm -hmm. open to chaos yeah and so you can never ever be 100% right and just that moment and you still regardless of how confident you are you'd still open that curtain gingerly and just either go yes yeah and
0: I still do um, that now I open the curtain and I'm like is it raining? Oh yeah, it's raining. Okay, it's fine. That, that forecast is all right. But I remember waking up between night shifts and I'd be dreaming about road graphs. Oh my god. In my dream, the road temperatures would be diving below zero and I'd be frantically trying to phone people. Wake up thinking, No, that's that's not actually happening right now. <laughs> it might happen in about four hours time when you're back on shift, but at this moment it's not happening, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh uh, those Football definitely had those dreams.
2: Those road forecast those road forecasting shifts were just they were another they they were the sort of commercial equivalent of being in a uh, environment where you're forecasting with these really intense pilots. Yeah, You should say what you do is during the day shift, you have to try and forecast the temperature of the road to within two degrees through the night and into the following day, didn't you? Yeah. That was the thing. And whether it was chance of frost or Ice forming, or whether there was going to be snow on those roads. And so you suspended those days where it was really, really cold, brilliant. Those yeah. days where it was really, really mild, brilliant. brilliant. Those yeah. days where the temperature was hovering around freezing, which is <laughs> most of the cloud. winter Yeah, okay.
0: verbal cloud. You're just like, what is, is the cloud, cloud. <laughs> cloud yeah. going to go tonight? Yeah.
2: And then during the night shift, it, if it was going slightly awry or showers came in a bit earlier, or the cloud broke when it wasn't supposed to. And all of a sudden the temperature, you had to ring up these poor guys and ladies who were out there and had to get up, get them out of bed usually because they had to then go out and start gritting. gritting. So
0: it's when they phone you as well. And they say like, I need to make a decision right now because it takes me four to five hours to get around the whole network. And at that stage, you're just like, I've got to make a call and it can either be very right and it'll be great for them and they'll grit the roads or, temperatures could bounce back up and i've cost them all this money and you have to make that decision there and then and that is can be very, very it, it, it's really intense
2: yeah. it is really intense and so weather's great and if people think it's all just about standing there in front waving your hands around going oh it might rain it might not it has some really pressurized parts to it especially when you're dealing with a lot of safety uh it, it comes up with lots of stories from it from those fears of ringing people up especially especially during the, the millennium night shift which I had I think it was <laughs> that was a case of is it going to get anywhere near freezing tonight Ooh, might do we're going out to grit so you don't disturb us he's like okay. yeah yeah
1: <laughs> that's what you wanted great 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 so Matt you've spoken a lot actually about very high resolution forecasting so I mean ultimately, most forecasting decisions when you're talking commercially come down to a yes or a no answer do I go out and grit yes or no and then there's a whole process to doing that can we complete this sortie or this exercise that you might be doing on a military base yes or no and sometimes it comes down to like well we need a cloud base of more than 300 if it hits 200 at any point or we have a gust of 31 rather than 30 we you know we can't like Very, very marginal, very, very marginal things, but ultimately yes or no answer. Fast forward now to you working as a public service broadcaster. How does that weigh on you? How different is that for you now on a day-to-day basis, aside from trying to hide that personality of yours?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what so he's like
1: laughing through the whole thing I just every time I see you at the telly I'm like oh, he's just been laughing at something before he went on screen there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah people did th- <laughs> I've always thought I've got to be professional my job is to be professional but of you course. just don't know what happens before and after yeah, yeah 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 I can be with tears rolling down my eyes within seconds <laughs> the girls. coming to you now it's like okay okay and you're almost pinching yourself to say just you can't do this, you can't do this. I think I've only corpsed twice.
1: Okay, that's not too bad. That's a good yeah. good length over
2: your career. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. But uh, it is completely different. It's you don't you don't have to be as sort of specific in numbers like you were when you deal with things like the military or energy forecasting or road forecasting but it comes in a sort of different pressure when you're on uh, TV mm. as well. in that you have this, you've got more people looking at you, mm. whether you like it or not, and more people listening. And there's a lot of people out there who will turn around and tell you the following day or that afternoon, the second mm. you get home, you pass and go, got it wrong, didn't you? And mm. you're trying to go, oh, no, it's just, it's because it's so broad brush. It does make it more difficult, especially doing a national forecast. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't, I always think in some respects for you, Ash, doing the regional one, mm. you can put a bit more detail, you can talk a bit more like for one sure. Part for of sure. Norfolk, Suffolk yeah. will be different to another one just because of the wind direction. Mm. When you've got that national picture, it is far, far more difficult to try and get in those subtle variations. And that then comes with the problems that people say, Well, you've got it wrong. And you think, well, I haven't really, I honestly. I don't have the time to put in that little individual detail I have to be that little bit broad brush but at the same time I have the joy of when it's one of those really quiet weather stories I can talk about the big broad weather patterns when Mm. you're stuck with a map that's not doing much because there's not much weather happening
1: yeah yeah definite different challenges but I, I do think as well though public broadcasting um especially now um whilst we have so many different social media platforms as well but there's still very much a home for watching the weather on the tally as your perhaps your starting point for like listening to a piece of detail like there's a warning or something that you might get more closely on your local um news feed so how do you handle the more serious situation so from memory you have worked a red warning a danger to life warning is that correct
2: I probably have. I've got such a such a bad memory. Like I've worked, okay. you know, I've worked with colleagues who can remember what the weather was doing on a certain day of a certain month of a certain year at a certain time. I, I've never been good like that. I can't Me remember. either. I can't remember what the weather was doing last Tuesday.
0: Me either. <laughs> Me either. But, so,
2: with, We're with in safe hands, red... folks. <laughs> <laughs> with the red warnings, does come that real sense yeah. of responsibility. You have to focus on it. It has, to be, it has to be your main focus. And you will sit there because we construct our graphics that you see on air. Mm-hmm. And even when I'm not at work, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to tell the weather story tomorrow. Mm. It's trying to be as detailed as you can, but also make it in an easily understandable, digestible way. And the red warnings are the ones where you will sit there and go over and go over. How do I describe this in a way that gets across the severity, yeah. Yeah. gets across exactly what the impacts can be and exactly who will be impacted by it? Mm. Rather than it's one you can't really be broad brush about. No. Yeah,
1: it's, it's an interesting one because actually everyone's always uh, well this is the feedback that I often get you know is that you're not supposed to have any emotion in the weather so you know saying a lovely sunny day isn't actually a good thing because maybe somebody doesn't love the sunshine or you know that's not how they describe it but it's also interesting as well with those type of more heavier warnings where you might your message might be something like might actually be sort of weather related, but you might be trying to say to somebody listen don't don't be in your house without food before sunday so let's say it's a big snowstorm coming so you're, you're you the messaging of it can be quite complicated because you're trying to say this in a weather forecast but actually what your overall message is i don't want you to go outside if you don't have to go anywhere don't go yeah. anywhere make sure you're stocked up you know it's it's actually quite complicated to put a weather story together but it, it
2: is it's, it's trying to detach the emotions sometimes yeah. and just be factual and say look this is what's going to happen these are potential impacts. Yeah, This is what you, sh- you should do. You can't really tell people what to do. Uh, yeah. That's the one thing I've always been yeah. sort of drummed into me. And the public don't like to be told what to do.
1: Mm.
2: But weather is its a national conversation. It's We're all passionate about it in different ways. So I can't see how you can't have a little bit of emotion about it. And you're right. You can't just say, oh, it's going to be such a lovely day. Well, you can, but not when it's been a case of it's been dry for weeks on end, people yes, desperate for yeah, rain, yeah. it's starting to have an impact. So you've got to judge your emotions on what the actual weather situation is, what's been happening towards it. But if you've had, say, a month of where you've seen above average or record-breaking rainfall, everything is saturated, the public want to hear you stand there and go, you know what? It's dry. Fantastic day. It's dry. Mm. It's sunny at long last. And yeah. so you've got to bring some of that emotion in because weather is emotional. You look out, look at any sky, look through your window, it triggers something in you, whether no. it's,
0: yeah.
2: oh, oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it could be sort of,
2: woo-hoo, start singing again.
0: It's put it all into context, don't you? Hmm. You have to. Context. context
2: is such an important thing in weather. And you could also talk about, as far as temperatures are concerned, who actually knows what 11 Celsius feels like? Uh, yeah. What you have to do is, is it warmer or colder than yesterday? They're yeah. the yeah. big things. If you ever want to be a weather presenter is you've got to put everything into context, make it relatable, because the only way you can judge what tomorrow is going to be like is perhaps taking as your grounding. Actually, tomorrow's mm-hmm. going to be windier. So you think, oh, well, I know what today's like, so, okay, it's going to be windier tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you, you try and make it relatable to one day that precedes it or what you might see later. It's like, yeah, nice day today, but you just wait.
0: Yeah, yeah. Giving people yeah. the heads up, oh, actually if you want to go on that bike ride, maybe do it today because you're unlikely to get out in some dry weather over the next three days. And actually yeah. the, the current situation we've had at the moment, we've had a
1: a cloudy high, very, you know, common in, in springtime. And so it's been actually quite chilly. It's been really chilly underneath the cloud.
2: But at the second that broke,
1: <laughs> But the, yeah, today was break beautiful the usual March, lunchtime. but today I woke up and I was like, it's wild, wet and windy, but it's mild. So, you know, <laughs> How, how, do you, how do you... It's, it's a that balance.
2: You, you try not yeah. to put too much of your own personal feeling on it because yeah. people some people love the cold, some people love the mild. But I think you then bring in the emotion when it relates to how things have been. Yeah. And if you need it to be a certain way or you, you feel like nation as a whole is willing for something much better or much worse or yeah. whatever.
1: Yeah, that only comes, Matt, from all your experience of kind of understanding how your weather is running alongside your newsfeed. Like they do very much go hand in hand. Like there's a tone tone to it.
2: Exactly. You have to also bear in mind what else is going on. Yeah. And what's changed through my time of doing weather, of course, is if you say something wrong or you say something people disagree with, they will let you know there and then there's no sitting down, writing a letter and then sending it off. Mm. Uh, I know when I started text messages, to tv programs were starting to happen and people were quite quick but now with social media they can get away. they can get to you directly
0: <laughs> yeah
2: so whether presenters today compared with to in the past you were told there and then if you said something that someone disagrees with and you some of it you sort of brush off some of it you think you know what you've made a fair point and you yeah. sort of learn from that and think actually i must bear that in mind next time that mm. you've got to consider a word around that without it making it sound mm. as if I'm telling people what to do or they should like this weather, you shouldn't like that weather, this weather's good, that weather's bad. Uh, there's no such thing really, unless it is having an impact on your lives.
0: Let's okay. go. but I just want to go back a little bit, Matt. Just, I'm just interested to know how you transitioned into the media side of it. How did you move into the BBC Weather Centre and become a, a broadcast meteorologist there? Uh,
2: well, once I... I started my uh, Met Office career as a weather observer. I then got trained up to become a forecaster. I was on the REF sites at uh, Coningsby, uh, did a few other little moves around, but uh, I then got sent to uh, one of the Met Office's commercial uh, sites, which was in Cardiff. So instead of dealing with pilots, I dealt with energy forecasts, road forecasts, balloonists, and uh, part of it was actually uh, sort of dealing with the BBC's local radio, local TV network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did some radio there and we sort of briefed Derek Brockway, as it was, the uh, weather forecaster. Yes,
0: yeah.
2: Good old Derek. I love Derek, uh, who's, uh, who was the media, who was the TV forecaster there. And at the time, the Met Office had the responsibility of providing the forecaster to on-air forecaster, on-air weather presenter. And the boss came to me and said, look, we need someone to be trained up. Should Derek go ill at short notice, whatever, that we can just dispatch. Because the BBC TV studios in Cardiff were only about four miles away, three, four miles away up the road. and So we can dispatch and you can go and cover if necessary. So I said, yeah, OK. like the idea of that. It sounds good for fun. And uh, I came uh, and I got sent down to BBC TV Centre, as it was, for uh, broadcaster training. Uh, did a couple of days there, learned the system, learned various bits of uh, what you do, and went back, trained up, just in case. And I think it was within... It wasn't that long afterwards. I got a phone call from the at the BBC... I'm trying to remember if it was Helen Young or whether it's one of the managers at the time, and said, look, just to let you know, there is a national job coming up. If you want to apply, go for it, apply. You did all right, have a go. And I knew that the Cardiff Weather Centre was shutting. It had been earmarked for closure because the uh, lease was coming to an end and the Met Office was having a bit of a rejig. And uh, so I thought, yeah, no, why not? Applied and uh, went down, did my screen tests, interviews, and amazingly, I got the job.
1: Of course and you summer, did. And I'm yeah. still waiting
2: for someone to find me out. And
1: go, Why? <laughs> oh, never, Why never. Ever? Oh, my! <laughs> no way. That Yeah, Isn't it, it's, it's really quite remarkable how some people make their transition from maybe something more technical into broadcasting. And it's definitely a question. Even now, I love asking everybody, how did you go yeah, from... It
2: feels like it I've been doing it for about two years. Yeah. Really weirdly. But I'm now... I think it's 18 years I've been at the BBC.
1: Amazing, yeah.
2: Which is just ridiculous.
1: <laughs> so Matt, you've had a lot of on-screen hours. I can't even imagine actually how many broadcasts that's equated because I know how many live broadcasts happen on a daily basis and you do obviously a variety of shifts there. Yeah. But do you have a shining moment where you thought, oh no, I really can't believe I'm getting paid for this?
2: Uh, my favourite bit uh it was actually just a couple of years ago uh working with one of the planning editors at breakfast we'd always wanted to do the weather from Shetland and we made it happen to coincide with the uh coincide with the longest day and it was just it was hard work the three of us went up there there was a camera uh, a cameraman there was a producer and there was myself and it was we did lots were up there we literally landed and went straight out we're filming to about 10 11 o'clock at night full day the following day putting together various packages Mm. uh about the impacts of the weather and living in shetland where you've got Mm. near enough round the clock daylight and sort of the flip side what happens in the winter and then to be able to broadcast live from sombra head on breakfast that morning actually
1: just got goosebumps there seriously (laughs) It, it was beautiful.
2: Yeah. We were there in amongst the puffins, yeah. uh, right in a headland, looking out to God, it was just looking out to the ocean. And it's like, oh, my word, this is just amazing. And they gave you time to t- explain why you were there, to introduce the package you'd filmed, you'd put together with these really, really talented people. Uh, and we're basically broadcasting off a mobile phone signal. Wow. To show it was possible in years gone by, you'd have had to have a truck there and whatever, and yeah. it would never have happened. But that was just possibly one of the best moments.
0: Amazing. And it's such
2: a stunning part of the country. It's a place that yeah. I'd always wanted to go to, never thought I'd get there,
0: but I did. Oh, lucky. Amazing.
1: I do I do have another question for you though. You got to meet David Attenborough. Sir David Attenborough.
2: Oh, I did. Yes, We're I very jealous. Should be at the top, shouldn't We're
1: it? very jealous. No. No. <laughs> your moments they could be joined. They could be well, joined. They could up. be joined up. <laughs> What what was that like? What was that? Was, that? Tell us. Tell us it everything. It was really
2: nervy. because uh, I was sent to it was the London Wetlands Center. Mm. Uh, I was told, Oh, you're gonna go in there. Oh, by the way, David Attenborough was gonna be there. I was like, really? So oh my word. And uh, he was a, a really lovely, lovely man. Uh entourage around him of course he attracts attention but it's yeah. that time in the morning there's not many there's there's no public around the place and opened but uh, he was talking about the uh big butterfly count I think it was that they do every year
1: yeah mm. and
2: so he was there he did his little bits they did an interview with him and uh I was then in the background I'd be doing the weather there all morning and uh took a few little bits that he'd said learned stuff and did my bit about the butterfly counts. And he just stopped and he just stared throughout because I did the forecast as well. And I think a lot of people, I find strange now, just because I've done it for so long, are quite agog that you're actually there with nothing more than a camera. Yeah. You have to brief yeah. yourself uh, on the weather, what's happening in the weather. You need to know what the graphics are. There's no graphics to see. There's somebody in your ear whilst you're chatting, whilst you're doing the forecast going, just saying, you're on today, you're on the temperatures, you're on tonight. Uh, but as well as that, when you go to locations, you've got to learn everything about the story there, what's happening, mm. the place where you are. I'm really bad with places as well. Sometimes I've done forecasts where I'm thinking, I can't remember where I am. But, uh,
1: <laughs> I am uh, the same.
2: <laughs> I've done my three minutes of forecast with a bit of blurb about the butterfly count, and he just finished. And he just stood up and applauded and went, oh,
0: wow. he went wow. that was amazing.
2: He said, well done. How, how did you do that? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> but I had a lovely chat with him. And oh. uh, for someone to recognise what you do, yeah. And to, see, to, to me, it's nothing special. It's, it's my job. Just as everybody's job is their job. But he just, it was a lovely little morning, amazing morning.
0: Do you know on those OBs or outside broadcasts and you are having to get the weather in your head, you're having to maybe remember what the graphics look like if you've been able to be sent them, and you're also having to remember the additional information about where you are, how long do you have to prepare for all of that? Uh,
2: You have very little time. Uh, Some of the preparation I have to do the night before, especially about the location where I am. Mm -hmm. Depending on where the outside broadcast location is if it's more than about an hour or three quarters away it usually involves an overnight stay because we've got to be there on site for usually about five in the morning be mm. on site for five in the morning uh, and you don't want to be driving too far distance at that time because I, I tell you I never sleep before an outside broadcast I just can because yeah. Already, my brain is wearing away about what I'm going to say about the place, what's of interest, trying to weave in what the important aspects of the weather, thinking about what we have got to do. Because quite often we've got people to interview as well whilst we're there. Uh, And so we get on site about five. We have a briefing with someone like yourself, Gemma, who (laughs) gives us the lowdown on the exact weather situation. And then you sort of absorb in all that to the really important aspects of the forecast. You then have to download the graphics so you can see them for yourself so you know what you're talking to and before you know it, you've got to do your makeup etc you've got to sometimes find the location Hmm. set up uh do various tests you've got to do a quick rehearsal to make sure the location's working all right just with regard to like a headline at the top of the program uh and then before you know it you're on air at six and you're running through and within that uh, the weather's on the most Times during the morning, as far as outside locations are concerned. So, there's not a huge amount of time to do stuff in between. You can brief yourself up on a little bit more, think what am I going to say next? But you're also moving locations sometimes as well. So, that takes up time. And the morning just flies by. Mm-hmm. But uh, by the end of it, you can either come away with a great sense of achievement, or sometimes the technical <laughs> issues happen. <laughs> yeah. You've not quite been at your best because you've had a really rough night. But I love them, they're great fun. By the time you get to end of it, it's like, oh, that was great. Yeah. But what I will say is that they can be really harsh during the depths of winter when you don't really have much <laughs> sunshine,
1: mm. temperatures
2: below freezing, you're in the middle of nowhere, your feet are cold, you can not get warm, you've got nowhere to shelter. Uh, I remember doing it for the top of Shap one Ooh. Uh, Ooh. winter. Yes, lovely, we went... but
1: oh my goodness, cold.
2: Oh, it was snow, we were there for the snow and uh, the first location we couldn't get to because the the hill was too steep it was too covered in snow so we had to find somewhere else so we found somewhere by the edge of the M6 the top of a hill looking down and there was it was horizontal snow to begin with the snow eased off but oh it was cold mm. really cold but good fun <laughs>
1: As a viewer, you would never know that. I'm always amazed only because now I have but, a little bit of visibility to what is actually going on in the background. You know, I understand but more. how That's your
2: job. You've got to try and hide away whatever happened. And,
1: or whatever's happening personally or whatever. You just have to put it aside and put your smile on and tell your story.
2: Yeah, but sure. To be fair, it's two, three minutes of right. Come on, lift yourself. Nobody wants to see me. Oh, I've had such a bad day. Like that shop one, it took me ages to get there. And when I got there, I, I shouldn't probably say, I stayed at a hotel, let's say hotel, it was a pub. And I arrived and I walked to the door and I'd, say, they'd been awake, taking place downstairs. Mm. And then I got went up to my room. It was the coldest room I'd ever been in. Mm. I think I pinched, I think luckily the twin bed. So I pinched the dovie from the other, wrapped myself around that. And then I remember... Obviously, the wake had got into the sort of the, the jollier phase, mm. and uh, trying to sleep to Dolly Parton uh, banging out to the stereo downstairs because <laughs> <laughs> the pub was right below me. So I didn't sleep a wink, and then I had yeah. to get up and try and warm myself up to get out there because you just do it's like yeah, you
0: just do. You just absolutely. go for the
2: moment. Adrenaline goes. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah, That's, it's actually it's lovely to hear you recount it. It's yeah,
2: it it sounds fabulous. There are lots more stories like that, but I can never remember them at the right time.
1: (laughs) Well, we've actually been chatting for uh, a little while now, so we're going to move on to our next phase, which is Gemma's special quick fire round, Matt.
2: Oh, no. Are you ready?
0: (laughs) They're a a mixture of weather-related, and then some of them are just really random ones. It just allows us to get you to know you a little bit better. Okay. Don't be afraid, Gemma. We'll be gentle. (laughs) right okay here we go with a quick fire favorite season
2: spring Got okay an it's like spring <laughs> I like the blossoming of new life it's like even when I was on uh, used to be a weather observer I loved the sunrise because it just meant a new day mm. and spring's yep. the same the bright colors it's getting warmer it's just a freshness about it I love spring
0: it's a good season favorite cloud
2: uh outer cumulus castellanus Ooh. which are like turrets of outer cumulus clouds when you look at them uh like little castles and only because they're usually a forerunner there's going to be a big storm later sometimes i used to love when i've spotted them it's like come on come on just <laughs> it's an indication that the air is really unstable and could go bang at any moment later and uh, you could see a most almighty thunderstorm
1: lovely little bit of cast across southern england just start thinking to yourself oh, oh yeah so many times i've done later.
0: that yeah <laughs> tea or coffee
2: coffee always coffee never tea I, I knew tea. the
0: answer to that you <laughs> do, I, I need <laughs> to see. know more details and you're of... always generous always generous at the start of it well when you come into your morning shift you always get a little call morning tea
2: even before i've reached uh, part way through the bbc <laughs> it's like do you want a cup of that? <laughs> you need you need a lift at the end of your night shift that was my job
0: it's true oh. um snow yes or no
2: yes but preferably not when i'm working
0: i love it so when i'm not working <laughs> yeah it's just you just know when it's when it's snowing it's just gonna be one of those shifts you just think Exactly. either way,
2: either way. It's a busy one. Uh,
0: Twitter
2: or Instagram? Oh, no, I'm really bad. I do Twitter more than I do Instagram. I like Instagram. I like the more upbeat nature of it, but I quite like Twitter for the way you sort of connect with people. Mm -hmm. The audience is a nice way, quite an instantaneous, Mm -hmm. doesn't rely on pictures. I'm not one for selfies, never have been. So uh, I like Twitter.
0: You are good on Twitter. You
2: give out a lot of really like, good sure information on Twitter, mm-hmm. Twitter. Yeah, it's a good way actually of explaining weather sort of phenomena. You can't, you don't have time for on air. Mm-hmm. So it's a good little thing that we never used to have. So you've got that little bit of extra tool in your armory to yeah. uh, to, to get people enthused, really.
0: Absolutely. Jeremy Dodgers or Jaffa Cakes?
2: Oh, Now, Years ago, I said a jammy Dodger. But actually, now a Jaffa cake, if I eat one, that's the packet gone. What's the change? What what change? I don't know. I I think I've gone off the shortbread biscuit. I just, (gasps) I prefer... Really? Oh, no, we had this discussion yesterday at home. We found a big tin of shortbread biscuits that had been stashed away for Christmas and we forgot about. And I was like, "Mm."
0: Wow. That actually reminds me. I think I've got a tin of shortbread (laughs) biscuits in the cupboard from Christmas. I'm going to, after this, I'm going to send them my way, people. Send them my way.
1: (laughs) I'd bring in a biscuit because it's sort of like a guilt-free pleasure. So I'm like you, Matt. I just cannot stop. If there's something I like, there's no having one. I'll just pause when I feel a bit full and then continue five seconds later. You know?
2: Well, it's cake's fruit anyway, isn't it?
1: It's true, it's completely.
0: It's like five of your five a day. You're gonna stock up for the whole week. Eat the whole packet. You're done for the week. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> have you got a hidden talent?
2: If I have, I've really hidden it.
0: <laughs> ah, no, so much that
1: you have. don't even know. <laughs> you've got. You've got to have one. Between all of your singing, your dancing, your joking, you you have to have something that we don't know about. Oh gosh! Musical instruments. Um... I used
2: to play the euphonium. Oh, well, uh, Which is like a small you know. tuba. Yeah. Badly. Uh, I suppose my how hidden talent... How did you talent... end up
1: playing the euphonium? Like, like how did uh, that happen?
2: <laughs> I was given... Uh, my music teacher decided that I had a special skill for music, which I, I still dispute even now. Uh, oh, and so I was given the trumpet. Oh. And I tried to get out of playing the trumpet. And in trying to get out the trumpet, I just thought it was too difficult, I can't do it. So instead she said, oh, you can have this. This is much easier, which was such a bad move because it was a euphonium, a small tuba. I'm not the tallest of people. And when I was younger, I was a little lad. I used to have to walk about a mile, mile and a half to school with this big thing.
1: Yeah.
2: I hated it. Oh, dear. My mum and dad used to send me to the loft to play. I used to be able to play Chitty Chitty Bang Bang quite nicely.
1: There oh, you wow. go. That is definitely a hidden talent Yeah, I don't know anybody that plays the euphonium.
0: No, you now I do. There you go. Yeah, Two more questions. Fingers for toes or toes for fingers?
2: Oh, no. Uh, fingers for toes.
0: That seems to be that's like the, the... Yeah, that's the, 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 the common... Aren't, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, finally, one thing you wish everyone knew about the weather?
2: Oh, that's a difficult one. I suppose... The one thing we always get is whenever it's a, a cold day or a warm day, it's like, oh look, global warming doesn't exist. Weather is global, it's not just at the surface, it goes way up. It's such a dynamic, amazing, sort of fluid environment that surrounds us, that everything is interconnected in some way, shape, or form. And uh it's that bit and there's still so much to learn
1: yeah yeah even I'm I'm always saying this as well in the short time I've been forecasting like global teleconnections is now a little bit more common language on your day-to-day basis you know um or certainly in any of the stuff you know I read is when I was with Met Office there was definitely an effort to just get that into the day-to-day language but even then we still don't know as much and the connection of even the stratosphere, which makes you wonder about the mesosphere and all the other things that are not connected. But yeah, there's still so much we don't know. And hopefully we will continue to learn. Yeah. Everybody thinks pretty quickly.
2: We, we, they moment you know, you never, you don't ever get it right. We get it right most of the time, mm. but there's still so much out there we don't know about. And yeah. how one thing links to another that mm-hmm. we will never be able to model every single minuscule sort of volume of that atmosphere around us until you can you will never ever know exactly what is going on mm. to, yeah
1: to 100%. so Matt, as some parting wisdom as some parting advice actually what what would you say to somebody who and bearing in mind there are so many different faces of weather we've got you know insurance forecasters we've got people who program the weather we've got people who present the weather but the underlying thing of the weather what would you say to somebody who's trying to get into it
2: if you've got the passion there go for it there's so many different routes into weather I gave up when I was in my sort of teenage years I thought that was it when I thought I can't get into a degree course to do meteorology I'd never even thought about going as a weather observer. I didn't know what else was there. Just do a search out for jobs involving meteorology and you'll find there is so much more involved than you really, really think. And if you're passionate about it, let that passion show and you will get where you want to be.
1: Yeah, that's lovely. Lovely advice. Definitely true. Always do a job to make you happy exactly um so we also like to uh, give a little bit of weather wisdom and explain some of where our weather folklore comes from but matt would you like to do ours today go on then so can you explain if there's any truth to when it's about to rain cows will sit down
2: well i can tell you cows will sit down when they're tired <laughs> <laughs> they <sit> <laughs> or they're bored of grass One way or another, it's nothing to do with the rain. There's no scientific proof whatsoever that cows will sit down when they're expecting rain to come.
1: There we go. No scientific evidence whatsoever. Like you say, they just sit down when they're tired. matt thank you so so, oh, it's so been a much pleasure. for joining us today it has just put such a smile on my face to see you sitting here i've had oh, the pleasure of seeing you, in my, you on my zoom
0: meeting and you too as well um, I Said at the start it'd be a fun episode i didn't, didn't disappoint <laughs> did we
1: we're despite... gonna have to get matt back on though from for some more stories there's, there's oh, definitely whenever. there's definitely <laughs> the thing more, is, i need more to try to and hear. remember
2: them <laughs> oh, so they'll suddenly come to me at certain points <laughs> i forgot i did that <laughs> I forgot I did that. I did that. I went there. Oh, did that really happen? Yeah, there it's was a night fun. shift
0: thing because I do that. I'd be like, oh, that happened. Oh, I remember that. Or I'd be like, oh, I supposed to have that person, that thing a week ago. Ooh, didn't do that. It's a shift thing, I think.
2: I need to put out a map where I've been and where I've done outside broadcasts because I can never remember.
0: <laughs> you should just come, We should have another episode where you come on and talk about outside broadcasts.
2: Oh, yeah, the joy of outside broadcast. The things you don't know.
0: <laughs> exactly. Behind the scenes.
2: <laughs> yeah, the but things thank you Thank you so know. much. It's been great, Be Matt.
0: Um, if you have enjoyed today, please uh, subscribe, rate, review, share the podcast. We would love it if you would share the podcast far and wide. Uh, in terms of reviews we would love a five star but we'll, we'll, we'll take that if you know if you four, like four and above we'll take that um if you want more weather <laughs> in your life well we would love a five i mean come on everyone five stars, especially this, five stars.
1: <laughs> especially this one
0: exactly if you would like more weather in your life you can follow us on instagram we are for the love of weather and on twitter we are the number four love of weather And we hope that you have really enjoyed this episode like we have enjoyed it and that you leave us today loving the weather just that little bit more. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. And thanks for listening. Pleasure. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.